Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast. Your backstage pass to revealing conversations with stars, creators, and industry leaders. On Broadway, off Broadway, and beyond. I'm Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to Leslie Odom Jr. He's an actor who will probably need no introduction for most listeners of this podcast because he's the guy who originated the role of Aaron Burr, sir, in Hamilton and won a Tony Award for his performance. Since then, he's appeared on screen in Murder on the Orient Express, Glass Onion, Abbott Elementary, and the upcoming movie The Exorcist Believer. He was nominated for an Oscar for his performance as Sam Cooke in One Night in Miami. He's also a recording artist who's released four albums and counting. But in all those years since he left Hamilton in 2016, he hasn't been back on Broadway until now. He's playing the lead role in Ossie Davis's comedy, Pearly Victorious. And he's in the virtual studio with me to tell us about the play that brought him back to Broadway at last. Hey, Leslie, thanks for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. So we're talking just before the show is about to open, and you've been in previews for a couple of weeks now. How's the show going? How's the audience reacting? Oh, it's been... Um, I, I am a fan of Broadway and the theater. You know, I, I've, I've seen a lot uh, more theater than I've done, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. um, but I've, I've done a few Broadway shows as well, and... Um, this one is, is special, you know, when I'm talking to family and friends around the, around the country and in the surrounding, uh, states, you know, I grew up in Philadelphia, which is just a couple of hours away. I'm like, mm. don't, don't miss this one. You know, um, as an avid theater goer, I've never seen anything like Pearly Victorious and I've certainly never been a part of something that's that's quite like it it is such a special piece people are getting it they're loving it and um it's just a really 
joyful time at the music box. We're so thankful. Because you never know, you know, you never know if people are going to feel about a piece the way that you do. Yeah. Yeah. When you say you've never seen a piece quite like this, what can you expand a little bit more on kind of what the piece you think is offering that you haven't seen? Yeah, it's the um, the joy quotient meets, you know, that that joy. I'll say this. Mr. Davis sat down to write a piece about his childhood growing up in the rural segregated South. Um, this would have been, you know, when Mr. Davis was growing up, it would have been the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, in rural segregated Georgia. Those are hard times, you know? Mm. And I mean, he's, he's seen some stuff. He lived through some stuff and he wanted to write about it. And um, what he realized early on in his process was that it was too painful to ask an audience to sit through. And so he, it, the, the piece in its inception, you know, started as this act of generosity. He wants so desperately for an audience to come to this farm and meet the people he grew up with uh, in the in the place that he loved and the only place he ever knew his home. Uh, but he also wants you to be able to endure it. He wants you to be able to, to stand it. Um, and so there is this joy that, um, you know, the audience is not the only one that gets to participate in that joy. We get it as well. So it is so much fun and um, earns the kind of, he picks, he picks his moment the way great writers do. You know, he does pick his moment where he decides to say something, um, you know, that, that thesis, he gets a chance to say what he intended to say, but by then, you know, the audience is so disarmed and they're so happy to be there. And they've been having such a wonderful time that I think that they can really hear it, you know, in a way that they, they wouldn't have been able to hear it if, if we'd said it in the first five minutes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And Pearly Victorious is a relatively short play. You're doing it in one act uh, at, on, on Broadway. Uh, and yet it's, it Pearly is a big, big challenging role. You do a lot in that, you know, 100 and 105 minutes or whatever. Yeah. How's it, how's it treating you? Um, so, okay. I mean, um, when I am at my best <laughs> as a, as a, an artist, when I'm kindest to myself, you know, I'm choosing material that is worth the effort. Mm. Um, because everything that you do, everything that I do at this point is going to, there's some degree of sacrifice, whether it's the toll it takes on my body or the time away from my family, or, mm. you know, there's, there's some sort of sacrifice involved in almost every job that I take. Mm. And so, as I said, when I'm, when I'm at my wisest, my um, kindest to myself, you know, I'm choosing material that is worthy of the sacrifice and Pearly Victorious certainly is. It yeah. um, never, so far, it does not take more than it gives. Mm -hmm. um, and so I am back with my, my college voice teacher, um, just making sure that I'm not doing any damage to my voice and I'm 
I'm a little older than the last time I was on Broadway, so I have to take my warm-ups very seriously. You know, I, mm-hmm. I get to the theater about two hours before the show, and oh. I do a nice, gentle warm-up, you know, of my voice and my body during that time so that I can make sure I'm not doing any kind of damage to myself. But other than that, um, so far, so good. I, yeah. you know, my, my voice comes back with a good night's sleep. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of tired by the end of each mm-hmm. show. Two show yeah. days are a little tough, but so far so good. Yeah. And Pearly Victorious is a play you've wanted to do for a number of years now. When did you first encounter the play and why was it something that, uh, or when did you know that it was something you really wanted to do? I was in high school when I first encountered it. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's probably about 10 to 15 plays that if you're a young black actor, uh, they they get shoved in your hands. I imagine, you know, um, if you're a young woman or for, if you're a young Asian actor, if you're a young, you know, Latino actor, you know, the, there's, there's a, a handful of uh, pieces that people uh, ahead of you give you, you know, hey, look at this thing. And um, Pearly Victorious was, was one of those pieces. And so, you know, it has monologues in it that you can do for auditions and scenes you can work on for scene study class and so i'd been aware of it i i don't know where it came from when when i sort of i'll say that better um i've learned to not question where inspiration Mm -hmm. comes from you know when i'm given an idea when when an idea comes to my heart when i'm inspired to do something i assume that those are my my marching orders from God and I, and I go about the business of um, walking it down, seeing if I can make good on that inspiration, because chances are, if you have that great idea, you know, I I kind of operate under the idea that the belief that somebody else could quite possibly have the idea at the same time, or it's that the even even more tragic would be um, if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. Mm. If there's some great idea that comes to your mind, comes to your spirit, something that you are in, inspired to do, something that you can see it, you can see the way it's supposed to happen and how it's supposed to feel. Yeah, almost the sadder version of that is if you don't do it, it'll never get done. It'll never get done in the way that you could have done it. Mm. So. Yeah, there was some somebody, some smart interviewer like yourself asked me, uh, I think the day after the Tony Awards in 2016, what what I, what was next, what I wanted to work on next. And I said, Pearly, I've always wanted to do Pearly Victorious. I don't know. Yeah. So I don't know where that came from. It took it took about six or seven years. And here we are. Yeah. A, a lot of uh, theater goers, including me, first encountered the character of Pearly and his story in the musical. There's a musical adaptation uh, from 1970. And of course, you sing yourself. Did it ever occur to you to look at the musical as opposed to the play? Yeah, I just um, I just knew that the, that the character and the material was so mm. um, challenging, you know, and, I, and what I was really looking for, as you can imagine, was, you know, what would be a bigger challenge than what I'd just done? I mean, Lynn had yeah. given me the greatest challenge up until that point of my career, I mean, without question. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, you go, God, okay. I mean, what would be harder than this? Mm-hmm. 
early victorious might be, you know, playing yeah. Sam Cooke might be, you know, I mean, those, yeah, those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, it's really just been that. I mean, what what would be, um, in what way can I challenge myself? In what way, what's the new frontier? What's a new mountain to climb? And so that's what it was. And um, it didn't matter to me which it, what, whether it was the musical or the play. Um, yeah, didn't matter to me. But I was, man, am I, I'm so happy that we, it was it was important to Mr. Davis's three children, um, yeah. Nora, Hasna, and Guy. They make up the estate now yeah. of the D. Davis family. Um, two two girls and a boy. Guy Guy is the is is their their son. Guy, yeah. fun fact, um, has written all of the music for our production. This gorgeous. Um, music it's somewhere in between classical and folk country music it's just it's this gorgeous um incidental music that we have in the play that really helps us um drop right into the the world of of that farm anyway they, it was the important to the to them that their father's words were if the piece should ever make it back to the stage that it would that it would make it back in its original form first and that mm-hmm. if the musical followed or whatever the way that it did the first time around, that 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 would be fine with them. But I'm so happy that we're doing this play. I mean, people are coming, and um, it's what it's what Mr. Davis always wanted. You know, they are they are receiving this play, um, and recognizing it um, in the way that he'd always hoped. You know, as an American classic because that's what it is. Um, <clears throat> I think we're going to see productions of Pearly Victorious pop up all over the country after this. Yeah. Are you enjoying doing the kind of full-out comedy that Pearly is? Because you are as much a comic character, playing a comic character as much as a heroic character. It, oh, very uh, is much. It, yeah, tell me a little bit about how you, uh, how you balance uh, kind of I mean, there's the message of the play, but then there's also the fact that Pearlie is often kind of ridiculous, right? Like, as all the characters are. Yeah. Play, right? Oh, I, I mean, oh, you know, comedy is, is, I think I probably am, at this point, maybe a little more thought of as a dramatic actor. But, I mean, there's mm-hmm. some, you know, there's some really silly moments in Hamilton. There's certainly some mm-hmm. silly, you know, I, I, I'm always looking for... um those moments i mean because that's life i don't know but yeah my 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 father um you know was um is i said was you know thinking about him as a child he's a very different man now in his old age but certainly as a, mm-hmm. as a child you know my dad was totally absurd you know what i mean like he was mm-hmm. he was so um gallant and brave and ridiculous and and <laughs> terrifying and and, and all that stuff, you know, and and I had those kind of figures all over my family. My grandfather was a man like that too. Yeah, I mean, oof. I, there yeah. there were some three act plays that I saw. So to so to yeah to bring all of that to Pearly, you know, if you if the stakes are big enough, if the if the fear is big enough, if the danger is big enough, what ridiculous thing won't we do? You know, I'll climb, I'll climb up the rafters up into the, up into the top of the theater and, you know, to, to run away from a real kind of danger. I'll jump down and, and learn to fly on the way down if, 
if something was trying to chase me from up here. So um, we certainly are, are wading around in a world with that kind of danger, with those kind of stakes. Mm -hmm. And so, and then it, it, it helps tremendously to be across from one of the great comedians of our time, Carrie Young, two time Tony award nominated actress, um, who's just brilliant as Ludie Bell. If you don't, if you don't have any interest in seeing me as, as per the court, <laughs> you've got to see Carrie Young in one of the performances of the season, if not the performance of the yeah. season. Uh, she's so special. Yeah, yeah. And you're also, you're working with a very busy director, Kenny Leon, uh, on the show. And uh, tell me a little bit about how, what his, how his perspective and how his take on the show has influenced kind of what you're doing and your work on the character. Well, Kenny grew up on a farm, just like mm-hmm. the just like the one that we're um, that is depicted in our play, and um, he grew up not far from. You know, he grew up in Florida, but the, that tip, that um, northern tip, which is you know the neighbor to uh, southern Georgia, and mm-hmm. so he brought us that um, you know veracity and. Uh, mm understanding the the sounds and smells and sights that that we are trying so hard to evoke from the stage and Mm -hmm. then kenny's just um i've only really worked with uh, you know one other director you know he regina reminded me or can't you know my experience with kenny is a lot like the, the experience i had with regina um and then um, all this is on different... one night in Miami. We should say for... that's right. And then uh, the the great Regina King. Yes, we actually yeah. <laughs> say her full name. <laughs> but um, yeah, Kenny is his wisdom is is unlike unlike many many directors. Uh, he's just he's just, just extraordinary. He made a, he made a company of us. He made an ensemble of us. He dropped us all into the same world. Um, he keeps us focused on on truth uh and the the dignity of of our very very specific experience um these are people that if you uh grew up in the south or if you have family members that grew up in the south you know you will recognize your you know you will recognize your experience of knowing these people and then if you if you didn't it's just a wonderful opportunity to get to know um, as W.B. Du Bois, you know, wrote about it, just to get to know the souls of Black folk. You know, this is this is this is who we are. I'll have more with Leslie right after the break. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And now here's more with the actor, singer, and producer, Leslie Odom Jr. As you mentioned, this is your first time uh, on Broadway since Hamilton. Uh, how is it feeling to be back on Broadway and in the Broadway community? 
Um, there, there's, there's nowhere I'd rather be if there was, um, I'm, I'm very thankful, very grateful for all of the wonderful opportunities, uh, that have come my way since being a part of that original company. I'm so glad that I, that I don't have to just choose, you know, to be on stage that I can make my albums every now and again and make a movie and pop up on a TV show. Those are really mm-hmm. All one write books, you know. Those I just I yeah. love it all, but yeah. if I did have to choose between you and me, you know, I I, hmm. I would only be in a great play um, once every few years. It's uh, there's just nothing like it. My training prepared me for it. It's what I I started doing. You know, I, I thought that I would only ever be on stage. You know, right. I I I say this only sort of in jest. You know, my I was 13 years old when a show came out called Rent that um, changed my life. And my highest dream for myself, the biggest thing I could ever imagine was that I would one day be in Rent and I would do that show until I, you know, until I turned 40 or something. And then I would retire and go do something else. I mean, I, you know, Mm -hmm. I I didn't think that there was a, an industry beyond that show that was that was the dream. I ended up doing the show. I was 17 years old when I went into yeah. that show on Broadway. And so I got to um, see what it was like to be a professional and work alongside professionals. And I got my equity card and all that stuff. And, and so after that only was I able to dream about what, might, what a career might be beyond that show. Um, but I, I still feel in a whole lot of ways, I have to say, like, I'm just really trying to be a part of pieces of work that make me feel the way that show made me feel. That's all I'm ever trying to do. And Hamilton certainly was that. And Pearly Victorious absolutely is that. You're also on the producing team of Pearly Victorious. Tell me a little bit about that impulse to produce as well as, uh, you know, create. Um. I, I just have to tell you, I'm, I'm the happiest that I've ever been. I was sitting across from my producing partner last night uh, after the eighth show of the week and <laughs> I was just telling her how happy I am. Um, at this time in my life, it's just, there's just, um, there's always been something <laughs> in every experience that I've been a part of. You know, there's always been something that I felt like I couldn't express, something I couldn't say, some obstacle, some, you know, great challenge emotionally or professionally, spiritually in the business. It's just, it's always, um, and so I've just been tied in knots, you know, for 20, 25 years, you know, always. And this is the first, Nicolette was saying, well, it's the first one where you, are fully expressed. I'm not the only voice in the room. I don't even have to be the loudest voice in the room, but producing alongside Jeffrey Richards and uh, and our, our the rest of our producing team, uh, they've allowed me a, a voice. I, I get to be I get to be heard in the room. If there's something that that bothers me or something that I can contribute that I think could be helpful. I'm I'm listened to. I'm heard. They may make another decision, which is fine. But I but I I'm not tied up in knots because I 
I got to express myself. I got to say what I believe and what I think. And I'm just a, a valued member of a team, of a community. And so it's just so satisfying to be able to have that part of the experience, to, to be able to answer the needs of the people around me. You know, if if my fellow castmates, if there's people in the building that have things that 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 they're feeling, I get to be a part of problem solving and making sure that other people feel heard and valued. It's just um, the healthiest, most mm. gorgeous process I've ever been a part of. Process. Mm. Yeah. yeah. The I, there are a number of well-known producers who have signed on to to, yes. to Pearly. You've got like Samuel L. Jackson and Latanya Richardson Jackson and Felicia yeah. Rashad and Kerry Washington and Namdi Asamoah and Alan Alda, who was in the original That's uh, right. production of Pearly, by the way. Um, tell me a little bit about kind of what that how what the what the function of kind of well-known producers is. Like, what yeah. do they? How do they help a show connect with an audience? Sure. Um, that is a, you know, I, I can kind of remember when that started happening, um, more and more often on the scene, you know, the, the first one that I can, that was like a sort of a big deal. Of course it had happened from time to time before then, but I remember when, when Jay-Z presented Fela on Broadway, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was like a, that was a thing. It's, um, we are a part of a generation that is continuing to try to um, grow an audience, develop an audience on Broadway to let um, black and brown communities know through our messaging that Broadway is a place that we are welcome um, on stage and in the audience you know, and that kind of thing needs to, it's, it, there's a, that's a, um, a multi-pronged, you know, uh, agenda, you know, set, set of mm-hmm. things that we have to do. And so part of it is that, you know, part of it is getting people, um, really well-known people who are aligned with the work in some way, spiritually, um, emotionally you know that they can that they can co-sign <laughs> that mm-hmm. this is like hey th- i i this has my stamp of approval um and maybe you don't know maybe you don't know this work in particular maybe you haven't heard of leslie odom jr maybe you only know him as aaron burr or you you know and so you know samuel jackson's gonna say that this has my my stamp of approval latanya's gonna say that carrie's gonna say that and so it's very helpful to us to help to to get the word out um and uh you know this is only broadway's second year but it's not by the way it's not it's not it can't always keep the doors open you know right. there there have been uh fela was uh, an example where it did i saw fela i think two or three times fela was ext- an extraordinary piece of theater mm-hmm. um my goodness it had you know these like I was about, you know, Fela Kuti and it had these like, I don't know, 12, 13 women always, always around him. Bill T. Jones choreographed this thing. And th- those women, you could come to the show and pick a new woman every show. I mean, they had these deep, rich, you know, lives mm-hmm. all their own. And they were just so 
gorgeous and fascinating and the movement was so oh my god but Fela, you know they didn't really latch on and find an audience so they they closed early um but this is only the second year back after broadway's largest shutdown in its history and so um a, a great deal of of the audience was lost to uh to covid god rest their souls um we lost a fair amount of the audience to you know, people moving away. And then, you know, when something shut down for, what was it, two, three years, my God, you know, some people find other ways to entertain themselves. Like the, 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 the need that theater filled in people, they fill in other ways. And so um, anyway, I believe in the theater. I believe in its um, usefulness. And it's necessity, you know, I believe in the theater for the health of, a, of an American society. And so we're going to fight the good fight. And, and Carrie and Namdi and Alan Alda have partnered with us to fight that fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, you also have done a lot of work in film and TV, none of which we can particularly talk about right now because right. you are on strike at the moment. Um, but I can't ask you about your, uh, you mentioned the albums you've released and uh, your work as a recording artist. What, tell me about that sort of facet of your work and what the appeal of, um, you know, just the musician uh, side of you. Is. Thank you for asking. We, um, it's, ju it's just been that, you know, after Hamilton, it was kind of, I had been doing, I had only really been doing television before Hamilton, you know, um, that's what I had been doing mostly. I, I went out to LA and I was doing guest spots and recurrings and, you know, I was having a whole lot of fun doing that. Um, and so Hamilton happens and, you know, something like that, it's, it is, it's a ticket. It's an opportunity uh, to, to make your dreams come true. And so I didn't want to continue to do the things that I was doing before Hamilton. It's like, well, what, what can I do now that, that um, nobody would have ever let me do before this? And music was the first thing that I could think of. So um, I've put out four albums, um, two, two very successful Christmas albums that, that um, that's been a, a wonderful, a really meaningful and like wonderful delight that people have really, um, welcomed these these projects into their homes mm -hmm. uh that's a that's a big thing you know to be perennial with people you know part of their traditions a part of the the thing that they every single year they make you a part of um their celebration with their family that's a really intimate and special thing i have a new record coming out this fall uh a single will be out in two weeks singles mm -hmm. called show me and this is um as they all are, you know, this is the most, the most personal album to date. Um, my, my producer slash manager slash best friend, Joseph Abate, who I've made all of these albums with, he told me when we made our first album, he said, at some point, I don't want you to have any more secrets. I want you to whisper your secrets onto these albums. Um, tell us who you are. Tell us what you're afraid of. Tell us what um, you're ashamed of. Tell us everything. And so, yeah, this this record, it's been um, a really, uh, after a year of some uh, 
monumental personal growth and um, just upheaval in my in my life that 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 is waiting and coming for everybody. I'm not special, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it it happens to everybody, you know, where you where the where the ground gets really unsure beneath you, and you got to face face your demons, face your shadows. Uh, that's what I did. And, um, I made it to the other side. Um, and, uh, I, I wrote some songs about it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this being out and, and people hearing this music. Yeah. You also, as you alluded to, you wrote a book in 2018. It's an autobiography called failing up how, uh, how to take risks, aim higher and never stop learning. And that was kind of about imparting some of the lessons you'd learned along the way. Right. Yeah. Um, what, was the uh, well first of all is continuing to write uh are you interested in uh doing more writing along those lines you know i've, I've started a a really wonderful friendship with with my publishers at firewell mm-hmm. and friends they they came to me with the idea for that book you know oh. they they thought that i had a book in me and um had a wonderful experience writing that with them so we're going to the paperback edition of that book is going to be out early next year. I'm going to write mm. a, a preface, a new preface for it and um, kind of punch it up a little bit. But we're finally, after all these years, getting a paperback edition, which is mm. I'm super excited about. And we, I did the children's book with them as well. Right. Um, so yeah, I, is there more writing in the future? Uh, quite possibly, you know, if I will ask me to, yeah, quite possibly. I'm, I'm excited to write the preface, you know, to, yeah. to, um, there, there is actually, you know, another chapter that I think that I can, yeah. That that was the question I was going to ask is actually if, if, if failing up was about imparting lessons and that came out in uh, 2018, what is the biggest lesson you have learned since then? This is what the whole album was about too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first thing you're going to need when you really decide to become the artist you want to be, the person you want to be, the man you want to be, the father you want to be. Really, the first thing you're going to need is a loving heart. Mm. And that is easier said than done. You know, when they were, the the Pharisees were uh, kind of questioning Jesus, you know, trying to trip him up. Because uh, they had all these laws, there so many laws, rules for people to follow. And they asked him, what are the, uh, forgive me, I'm, I'm not a, a biblical scholar. I, re- I, I revisited this not too long ago and I was struck by it. But they, I think they asked him, what are the two most important laws? You know, knowing that it's impossible to answer something like that because there's so many laws. And so whatever he says is going to be the wrong answer. And they know that. And he does answer them. And he, the first one is, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And number two, he says, two, the two things that are the most important thing, number two is to love thy neighbor as thyself. Mm-hmm. Love thy neighbor as thyself. If we could just do those two things, but you know what? So many of us get tripped up on, on that one. How simple is that? You know why? Because we're not loving ourselves well either. We are loving our neighbors as we love ourselves and we treat ourselves like shit too. Mm. And so this past year and a half has really been finally just finally and firstly learning how to love myself 
I don't stand a chance at loving you or Nicolette or these two beautiful babies or my castmates or these audiences. You know, I don't, I don't stand a chance at loving them well mm. if I don't take care of myself and, and be good to myself and have grace with myself and forgive myself. So I've been learning that and I've been writing yeah. about that. Doing yeah. better. Well, thank you. Um, so I can't ask you about what's next for you on screen, although I can say that you are in uh, the new Exorcist movie that's coming out shortly. Um, and that's called The Exorcist Believer. Uh, but after Pearly Victorious, is it going to be another six or seven years before we see you on Broadway again? I hope not. Mm -hmm. I do. I do think um, I do think that this piece is going to change my life. And I don't mean from the outside. You know, I'm not talking mm -hmm. about any kind of. I'm not talking about any any kind of thing that that the world or the business could give me. Um, this piece is going to change me from the inside. It already is. You know, what is important to me? What? Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's shifting things. It's shifting the atmosphere. And uh, I welcome that. Yeah. Well, we will look forward to seeing what comes next. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, there you are on stage at the Music Box uh, in Pearly Victorious. Yeah. That was Leslie Odom Jr. from Pearly Victorious, now playing on Broadway at the Music Box Theater. If you enjoyed this conversation here on StageCraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help. Or tell a friend about StageCraft. Find past episodes and subscribe at all the places you get your pods, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the Broadway Podcast Network, a great place to find more theater for your ears. Until next episode, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Gordon B. Cox. Thanks for listening, and see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.